Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Hopefully this is sounding a little bit better now. I've actually got a little bit more equipment set up, so now that maybe it's not as brutal to listen to as it was for the first episode. If you didn't listen to the first episode, there's really no need to go back. I don't think you want to put yourself through that. But I'm back with a new episode and hopefully a little bit better this time around. Now, if you can hear a little bit of a humming noise in the back, that is my computer. This thing is as old as a dinosaur. And for some reason, the fan is incredibly loud. I've opened this up myself. I've cleaned out the interior. It was never really that dusty to begin with. For some reason, it just is super loud like that. I'm not sure. I'm sure I'm overworking it, probably doing this on it. But we're going to power on through it. Today is November 3rd, 2022. And I just wanted to check back in because the last time I uploaded, we had UFC 280 in which Charles Oliveira was defeated by Islam Makashev. That, now, for those who maybe went to the back to the first episode or have heard the first episode, all of you know that I was heavily rooting for Islam Makashev. I've been following him for a few years now since he's been in the UFC, kind of. I'm a big fan of his. I was a huge fan of Khabib Nurmagomedov before that. Naturally, I went to Islam. It's crazy to see Islam holding the belt. You know, for the longest time, those guys out of AK, Khabib's camp, DC, Josh Thompson, all those guys for the longest time have been saying, you know, who can truly beat Islam Makashev? And he's he was for sure the next, the as they like to always keep saying, the heir apparent, the next in line to hold the belt from Dagestan. And, I mean, he proved it. Submitting Charles Oliveira via that arm triangle, uh, in the uh, second round, I believe it was. Let's see. It was, yeah, second round, three minutes and 16 seconds into the second round. Uh, I mean, to single, I mean, how do you even put it in words, really? It's Charles Oliveira will no doubt go in the history books. And it was great to see him reign as the champion for as long as he did. I would argue one of the more exciting lightweights since kind of the golden era. And I mean, the pressure he put on, the way he fought, always go for broke. It was always exciting. You never knew whether he was going to knock someone out or whether he was going to submit someone. You know, Charles Oliveira, truly a great time with him as a champion. Now with Islam Makashev taking over and seemingly going to face um, Alexander Volkanovsky in the, I don't know what that card is. I believe it's Perth or something like that in twenty early 2023, I think February or something like that, March. So I guess that'll be interesting. I'm not really looking forward to that. I mean, just as an early check, you know, Islam Makachev is not only bigger than Alexander Volkanovsky, I just don't think Volk has that kind of wrestling in his pedigree. You know, I know people have been saying, well, he's a shorter, stockier guy. It's going to be harder for him to take him down. He's going to be, you know, he presents a little bit more of a complexity on the feet than what Islam would be used to. But he's the pound for pound number one right now. That's why him and Khabib called him out. They want to go there. They want to go to Australia. They want to beat him in his backyard. And um, I think Khabib, more than anything, when he retired, there were a lot of questions with Khabib. You know, he never went up another weight class. He only stayed in lightweight. You know, the level of competition that he fought at lightweight. All these things come into play because obviously he retired at 29-0. and 0. People always said, oh, he'll come back for 30. Oh, he didn't truly get tested. You know, his his biggest test was against, you know, I mean, you name it. You know what I mean? Like people kind of bring up the ally Quinta, that he was the only one to really take it to decision with him. 
even though he lost, he still survived that Khabib uh, ground and pound and kind of mauling that he puts on people. You know, Connor got tagged him a couple times. Michael Johnson tagged him really good once. You know, Justin Gaethje had him slightly hurt in the first round, I guess you can say, when they fought. But ultimately, for me, that doesn't do anything against Khabib's legacy. I think Khabib's legacy stands firm. I think what he proved in the octagon shows that. And I think it's also showing through Islam. You know, if Charles Oliveira had gotten through Islam and beaten him, then the question would still remain for a lot of people that is Charles Oliveira a better lightweight than Khabib Nurmagomedov? Because when they look at Islam, they look at Khabib 2.0. You know, they call him this. Obviously, Islam and Khabib. Islam grew up with Khabib. He was, as he said, his father's favorite student of the of the since past um, Abdulmanap Nurmagomedov. Uh, you know, and it shows, I mean, his, you know, it truly shows when he's in the octagon, it's almost exactly the, the same thing as watching Khabib fight, except, you know, a night and day better striker than Khabib was, uh, not necessarily the same kind of ground and pound that Khabib used to do. I think Islam's a bit more, um, submission heavy. And, you know, part of that is Khabib also being in his corner. I mean, it's a bit of a cheat code. Khabib is just such, so great at cornering. I think when it's all said and done, he will go down as one of the best coaches if he continues this kind of coaching uh, lead that he's been taking. But um, yeah, you know, Charles Oliveira, most submissions in the UFC, the most dangerous submission artist in the UFC. Um, I think if he had gone through Islam, the questions would have remained that, hey, you know, could this Charles Oliveira have beat that Khabib Nurmagomedov in his prime? I think Islam submitting Charles in the second round the way he did I think it really kind of puts a cap on that showing that, you know, if this is Khabib 2.0, the next heir of the throne, uh, that Charles in many people's mind probably wouldn't have had a chance against Khabib. And, you know, for most people, they were saying that people were up in the air. People were saying for the most part that Charles Oliveira was most likely going to knock out Islam Makhachev, that he was going to be a bit overwhelmed on his feet with that forward pressure that Charles would, was known for putting on people. They say he cracks hard. Um, and Charles really didn't, you know, he pushed the pace a little bit, but he was, I think, a bit more hesitant once he realized that Islam was. Here's where I think Islam sets himself apart from all those other guys that maybe Charles had faced before. For Islam personally, I think where he excels more than anything is he has that combat sambo kind of those judo style trips. Those are huge. I mean, the way he can really leverage someone's body and their weight into different positions and just put them on the ground, he immediately finds himself in mount or he finds himself threatening with the submission or ground and pound. It's a huge arsenal to his game. And you did see that in the Charles Oliveira fight where he did, uh, oh my God, I'm not even going to try and say it because I don't know what the uh, term for it is, but he used a judo move on Charles. And I thought that that was, a, once he did that, I realized how comfortable he was with Charles in controlling him in the octagon. And I thought from there on, he was most likely just going to implement his will against him, which is, you know, Charles went for that leaping um, front kick. And that's when uh, Islam tagged him, I believe with the left, knocked him down. And for the inward, see, so this is where it's different, right? For the most part, throughout Charles' whole career as a champion, when he was fighting, he would get, uh, clipped quite a bit i think in almost every fight he's gotten clipped at least once or twice and he would fall to the ground but because guys were so hesitant to go with him to the ground 
he was able to recover on the ground. He was able to kind of pick and choose where the fight would dictate because he could still stand and bang with most of those guys, if not really hurt them on the feet and then just threaten them and immediately go to submission. You know, you saw that in the Dustin Poirier fight where he got him via rear naked choke. You saw that in the Michael Chandler fight where in the second round, he immediately came out and uh, clipped him again and then TKO'd him. You saw that in the Justin Gaethje fight. Again, rear naked choke. He threatens with these submissions and where guys are just so hesitant to go to the ground with him. Whereas when Islam clipped him and put him on the ground, Charles immediately went to guard where he thought, you know, Islam's not going to come there. Or maybe he already knew he would because everybody was anticipating Islam was not going to be scared on the ground. And Islam followed him there and almost immediately put him in that arm triangle. I mean, it was just a thing of beauty. And my God, the pressure that he must exert is unreal because before he even cleared to the side with that arm triangle i mean charles Oliveira was already tapping before islam makashev got cleared to the side he must be squeezing with the might of god when he did that all in all just an amazing card unfortunately the co-main event aljamain sterling versus tj dillasaw that was i think really disappointing for me as well as other fans kind of realizing that tj was going in with um undisclosed injuries you know, that's, it's a terrible way to go out and, you know, a place he'll most likely probably never return. It seems that, you know, TJ kind of father time is just really caught up with him. And I think this new way via Aljamain Sterling, Sean O'Malley, these guys, I think it's just, uh, yeah, you know, I think unfortunately his, his career is kind of over with those injuries. I mean, he'll still fight. I'm sure he'll still be a great contender, but as far as for the belt with someone like Aljamain holding it or whoever's next in line, probably Sean O'Malley, I would assume after that kind of highly contested win over Peter Yan. You know, I went back and looked at the fight. I personally thought Sean O'Malley did enough to kind of win it. I think damage and all the other things that he kind of showed throughout the fight. I think he was just, you know, Peter Yan. I don't know. It's, it's really close, right? And there's always these, whenever it comes down to really close fights like this and there's a decision, people always get upset and they're saying, oh, this is a robbery. That's a robbery. I don't necessarily think this is robbery. I really think it could have swung either way. I think uh, Sean O'Malley is getting a lot of heat because of it, but you know that's whatever. It doesn't matter now. He's most likely next in line. I think Aljamain Sterling said that he's going to fight Henry Cejudo, who's coming out of retirement. So that'll be interesting. So I'm sure Sean O'Malley will probably get the winner of that. And Benil Dariush beat uh, Mateus Gamrot. And... So yeah, that was kind of just a quick recap of UFC 280. I thought it was really crazy. The next uh, fight that we have coming up is going to be UFC 281 on November 12th. And I believe that one's at MSG. And that's uh, that's a great card. I mean, this last card was just already amazing. This card is going to be interesting. So we have Dan Hooker versus Claudio. I'm totally going to get this wrong. Pueyes? Pueyes? I don't know how to say that. Frankie Edgar versus Chris Gutierrez and Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. These two were mouthing off at each other at UFC. I don't even honestly remember. It was some UFC during the summer. These guys ran into each other, started kind of, I think, Dustin more than anything because Michael Chandler is a pretty nice guy from what I understand, was mouthing off pretty heavy asking for uh, Chandler. So now these guys are going to go at it. I think this is an interesting fight. You know, Dustin, super hard hitter, BJJ Black Belt, Michael Chandler, Missouri wrestler. I think he was All-State. 
before I commit to that statement, can I just quickly confirm that? Because I want to not be saying things that I don't know, like everything else I say. Or All-American, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said All-State. I think I was looking at car insurance earlier. D1, NCA, D1. I have no clue. Pretty sure he's in, he was an All-American. He was an All-American out of... What? Is he really? Hold on. So I'm here looking at the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. Michael Chandler, Hall of Fame, 2009, Missouri, D1, weight, 157 pounds. Oh, yeah, he did uh, do All-American. He placed fifth. Which I think All-American is out of, I think, that many, or six. I want to say it's five or six. I don't remember. Anyways, I'm not going to pretend like I know that stuff because I don't. Please don't groom me for that. So the main event, oh, and Carla Esparza versus uh, Zhang Weili, uh, or Weili Zhang. Um, that's going to be probably not a great fight, I'm imagining, and most people are probably imagining. I would like to see the odds on that, that Weili is kind of going to go to town on Carla. She's got good wrestling, good striking. I just, yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to go. Israel Adesanya versus Alex Bahia. This is a fight that, since Alex Bahia almost exactly a year ago, came to the UFC. This is a fight that many people have been kind of expecting and waiting to happen. Alex Bahia, for those of you who don't know, him and Israel Adesanya, I believe fought twice before in kickboxing where Alex Bahia knocked him out. This has widely been talked about because people have been saying for the longest time if there was ever a person who could do it because Israel Adesanya for the most part has remained undefeated. I think he only has had four losses or five losses in his entire careers. That's spanning both kickboxing, MMA, and I believe boxing as well. He has one loss in the UFC or in MMA, and that's via uh, losing to uh, Jan Blahovich when he moved up to light heavyweight to go and challenge for the belt. That was kind of, he was just a smaller guy there who clearly couldn't uh, fight against the bigger Jan and the grappling portion of this. But this fight is going to have absolutely zero grappling. Unless maybe Israel wants to grapple a bit with Alex, which I doubt. These guys are both going to go striking. These guys do not like each other. This is going to be a great fight. I'm a huge fan of Alex Bahia. I um, watched him a little bit in glory. And I remember when he came to the UFC one year ago, that was one of the most exciting fights to watch. I believe he was on the undercard. He was like the last fight to close it out. It was so exciting to see him. He's a huge guy. He cracks like no other. And I really think, you know, people are saying that everyone's underestimating Israel Adesanya. He's very calculated. He's very precise. He's been in MMA longer. He's been he's been through those championship rounds. He's uh, much more multifaceted than Alex Bahia is. Alex Bahia is, for the most part, kickboxing and power, which Izzy has kickboxing, takedown defense, I mean, it's going to be a great fight. It's going to be an all-striking fight. I know Alex Bahia is going to push the, he's going to push the envelope. Izzy's very much that counter-striker, that calculated uh, striker. So this is going to be very interesting to watch, and I'm super excited for this fight. 
I don't know how it goes, to be honest. I think they're pretty close in odds. I think it's really a toss-up on who you think is going to win. But, um, oh, man, it's hard to bet against Izzy, right? Because he just makes it look so easy against everyone. But I think Alex Bahia really presents a different challenge for him in that sense. So on this one, you know what? I'm going to do uh, my kind of guesses for who I think is going to win, both for the Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler fight, and the Israel Adesanya, Alex Bahia fight. <clears throat> so for the Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier fight, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Michael Chandler on this one. I think Michael Chandler is a much better wrestler. I know Dustin is a jiu-jitsu black belt, but I just think Michael Chandler... I think he just I think he's too strong of a wrestler for Dustin. I think um I think he really wants this win over him too. I think they both do, obviously. But um yeah, I, I'm picking Michael Chandler on that one. I could be wrong, you know. Dustin's a really big guy, cracks hard too, so could go either way. These fights are so close, right? I mean it could you know, toss a quarter in the air. It could be either one of them. I'm gonna go Michael Chandler. And as much as I really like Alex Bahia and I you know what? I'm going to go Alex Bahia. I probably picked two complete losses right there, right? Like it's going to be Dustin Poirier be a unanimous decision. And then Israel Adesanya be a unanimous decision or also knockout. Anyways, those are my picks. So, yeah, that's all I got. Um, what else do I got to talk about? So this past week, for those of you who don't know, I live in Houston, Texas. And very unfortunately, we had a shooting here i believe it was two days ago um you know for those of you who don't know there's a very famous rap group named uh the migos it's you know quavo um offset and takeoff and unfortunately takeoff was shot and killed in houston um really sad you know this and i was talking with a, a, a couple of my friends uh from college you know, for the biggest part, you know, it's unfortunate, right? These deaths are happening in both rap and like the music industry. And it's kind of a thing of, of legacy that it seems to happen. You've seen it with things as old as, you know, Tupac and Biggie and XXX Tentacion. And um, it's just sad, these things that are happening. And uh, this one really hit, I think, a little bit harder for me and a bunch of the people around me. I, uh, we, we, you know, takeoff was a huge part of the Migos. And in my opinion, somebody who was severely undervalued and underappreciated for his role in Migos, uh, you know, they released and said that it was, he was shot due to an altercation over a game of dice in the Houston kind of downtown area near the house of blues. I think it was. Um, yeah, just really sad. You know, my thoughts and prayers go out to his family. I know that this is probably extremely hard for them. And it's a terrible thing, you know. No one should die like that or at all, and especially over something so silly. But yeah, it's he, he will be greatly missed. You know, we were listening to some of their old music from Culture 2 and Culture and some of their stuff from 2016. And it's just, it's crazy to think that he's gone now. You know, Migos was huge for us growing up and uh, yeah just a really sad thing so I just wanted to you know speak on that and say that uh, 
you know, under no reason should anything ever resort to violence and taking someone's life like that over uh, something so silly. And it's just really unfortunate. And yeah, my prayers and my love goes out to his family and all those affected that were in direct relation to him. Oof. So, yeah. Um, what else can we... I'm going to try to not make it so sad, but I just, I felt like I had to talk about that because, you know, this is where I'm at and uh, it's just kind of, it's, you know, it's all over, you know, it's a, and it's something kind of personal too. I guess the, you know, the next thing I could talk about right now is, um, you know, since we're on the topic of Houston, you know, the Houston Astros are in the um, World Series against the Philadelphia Phillies right now. The series is tied up two and two. Uh, I'm looking at the updates right now. It's bottom of the ninth, Daddy, and it's three to two Houston leading. So hopefully Houston takes the lead three two in the series because I believe after this, the next two games are in Houston. So that means they're coming down to Minute Maid, baby. Oh, man, that's so sick. Yep, it looks like it. And they pitched a no-hitter yesterday. So I believe that was the second no-hitter in uh, World Series history. I mean, they're just going off, Daddy. So hopefully, I'm excited for this. I'm, you know, I wish we could afford tickets to the World Series, but unfortunately, we don't have $2,000 just sitting free or else we would totally go. But man, if you see the Astros win this World Series, win the next game that's on Saturday here, November 5th, oh my God, the city is going to erupt. Oh my God, I can't even imagine. And I think we have plans that night actually too. So if they by any chance win that game, I think we're going to have to go downtown because they shut down the city like crazy. Now, personally, I'm not from Houston, but I've been living here for the last couple of years. I love Houston. I spent a lot of time here. I came to school here originally. This place feels like my second home. Originally, I'm from San Antonio. And for those of you who don't know, from 1999, basically until 2014, when the team basically died after that, or 2015, because we kept it competitive there, right? We had Kawhi Leonard. Then he got injured. That that was a nightmare after that. 2016, we kind of had our last push. And after that, we just really fell off. But from 1999 to 2014, over the span of five years, the Spurs won five NBA championships. I just want to put that in perspective. From 1999 to 2014, over the span of 15 years, the Spurs won five of those. We won one third of the championships, 33%. So I am no stranger towards downtown celebrations in the city of San Antonio. Whenever the Spurs would win, we used to shut down the entire city at the downtown. People would be honking, everybody would be in the streets, lights blazing everything is chaos so i can't imagine what houston gets like i'm excited for this and hopefully we get to see houston bring another championship to to the city you know i know when they won back in 2000 and uh 2017 you know people hate on them so much because of that because they you know cheating allegations via the trash can or the signaling uh whatever either way I'm excited for this World Series. It's bottom of the ninth right now. Houston Astros lead. I have no more information on here. I wish I, I wish I did. I don't have cable either, but I just thought I'd give that little update. <clears throat> wow. So what else could we talk about? Man, we've kind of just gone all over it, huh? Hmm. 
I guess a little uh, cool thing I could, um, you know, maybe I'll do like a little recommendation, maybe like a little, uh, maybe cultural recommendation. I always think that it's cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, we could do that. So here's something that um, I always think that it's very cool for, or maybe not necessarily cool, but I think it's a good thing for a person to genuinely be interested in multiple things. Maybe not even interested in, but at least be versed, be educated, or be um, familiar with. I think that's one of the cooler things. And um, so I have a few interests, you know, from sports, hobbies, things like that. So one thing that I really like, and I'm going to go ahead and recommend another podcast. For the last few years, I've uh, been a, since, I don't know, maybe 2016, 2015, I've been really into horology, which for those of you who don't know, horology is basically the study of time. And uh, let me actually make sure that that is the actual description of what horology is. That's what I know it to be. I know it has to do with time. Yeah, study and measurement of time. I didn't know if it was like technically the study or just like the nature of time itself. But horology is the study of time, and that directly relates towards watches, watch keeping, uh, timekeeping pieces, things of that nature. I love watches. Um, you know, everyone's favorite brand and the one that people are the most familiar with, obviously, is Rolex because it's the you know the most high end, the most well known, the one that's in all the music videos and everything like that. I love Rolex. I think they're great watches. I personally, obviously, don't own a Rolex yet. Hopefully, one day. I, I do have a Timex that I love a lot. It's a collaboration they did with uh, No Nationality or NN07. Uh, I love that watch. It's a great watch. But um, uh, it's good to familiarize yourself with maybe horology itself, how the watch world works. You know, there's these companies that own all these watch brands. The way that watches kind of have this provenance that comes out of Switzerland, this made in Swiss notion. Um, you know, the oldest timekeeping or watch brand in the world, um, which I believe is Vacheron Constantin. Um, you know, there's just so many other watches out there besides Rolex, besides Timex, besides these brands, you know, these brands that people know, you know, I think it'd be really good if some people took the time out to maybe learn a little more. This is something that depending on the circles you run in or the people you come across, a watch tells a lot about a person and for a lot of ways it, um, kind of speaks towards others because here's this thing that is uh, very utilitarian in a sense but it carries on maybe past the owner a lot of these watches are handed down and that's why some of them are so expensive because it truly is a craft and a masterpiece in and of itself it's a piece of art and true engineering that goes into these watches people don't you know people sometimes hear the prices of these watches and how much they cost and say wow i can't believe you'd pay for that my phone does the same thing it's not always about how can i put it it's not the the fact of ca of recording time as it were. It's the art in and of itself of doing so, if that makes sense. It's, um, you know, it's the, in the same way that a car is not just uh, a means of transportation to A and B, but in a lot of ways, depending on the car designer and the interior and the way the engine is built or the way it's put somewhere, the displacement of the engine, it's a masterpiece. You know, anything can take you from point A to B. Your feet can do that, but it's a it's an artwork when you when you look at it. You know, there's a way to do things, and then there's a way to do things crafted with perfection in every notion that's gone into it. And I think that's truly what some of these watches capture. 
So, I mean, they, you know, th- this podcast, it's called um, uh, the Ho- is it Hodinkee. I, it's through Hodinkee, which Hodinkee, for those of you who don't know, is kind of like the major kind of the kind of the major voice and uh, in, in watches. It's called Hodinkee Radio. And that's H-O-D-I-N-K-E-E or Hodinkee Radio, Hodinkee Podcast. They're great guys. Some of the stuff they go over, it's a little bit watch geeky. You know, they go into some reference numbers. They speak about things very obscurely. Uh, they're great guys. I love them. Uh, you should definitely give it a listen. They go over all types of stuff in the watch world. They get to interview great people who are involved in it. And, you know, you'll get to educate yourself maybe a little bit with reference numbers, but just understanding how the watch world kind of works. There is this bit of a snobby notion to it. And for the most part, it can be like that. But there is some other provenance to it that I think that people could really appreciate. And I mean, they talk about things from Rolex to FP Jorn to Alanganzona, uh, Tudor. I mean, it, they go all over things. And I think it'd be really great for some people to give it a listen. They certainly aren't asking me to do this. It's just something that I like. I'll be doing these and I believe at some point in their podcast, they actually used to do something similar to this where they would recommend different things that you should go out and try. I think theirs was more based on travel and eating. Mine is more just familiarizing yourself with other things. I think it's a great podcast. Go ahead and give it a listen. Familiarize yourself with watches if you're interested. If not, um, I guess I could give one more recommendation maybe in case they're in, in, you know, in, if anyone's interested. Um, I think uh, another good one would be to go to Complex. They have sneaker shopping. I'm a huge sneaker fan. I love their. I love some of the content that they put out. They have a bunch of other pop and music things. And I think uh, we can talk about it on the next podcast because I don't want to dive too deep into that. But I do love their sneaker podcast or their and their sneaker shopping. Go check that out. We'll talk about that next on the next episode. But I guess that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to tune in again next week, and I'll catch. You.